Welcome to the Property Development Book Club podcast. Please be advised that panel members are expressing their own views and opinions, which should not be construed as advice. The audience must carry out their own research and consult an appointed professional for advice. Hello, everybody. Uh, Welcome to the Property Developers Book Club podcast. Uh, My name is Abraham Laker. Um, I'm joining with a multidisciplinary panel here today and we're going to introduce ourselves in a minute but the main topic today is let's talk about planning permission. So I'm going to introduce myself, I'm Abraham Laker, I'm a senior social director um, and a planning consultant, I'm a chartered planning consultant and I have over 10 years experience working on an array of developments in London and the South East um, and to my left, Adewale. Hi everyone, I'm Adewale Ademolake, I'm a Senior Development Manager and Chartered Planning and Development Surveyor, founder of A-Lake, who's currently sponsoring this podcast, and my interest is I work on large regeneration projects, outline permissions, reserve matters, and all of the Section 73's, 96A's. <laughs> 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 That's what I do, so thank you very much, and we look forward to discussing this shortly. Hi there, I'm Hugh McEwen, I'm an architect, and in my practice uh, we specialise in in giving uh, advice to local authorities on their planning policy. I'm Hannah Falabi, I'm the Development Director, and in my, my role I manage the process through planning to get to construction um, and to people living in the properties. Yeah. And so similar to Adorale, all the legal jargon <laughs> associated with planning is what I do. And hi everyone, I'm Justin Reed. I wear two hats, one as a senior planning officer in local planning authority and the other one as a planning consultant with a focus on minor development projects. Lovely. So let's get into this. Uh, it's going to be interesting. Um, the first question is, what is planning permission and why is it needed? Now, I'm going to direct this first to your local authority hat yeah. because you, you are the main gatekeepers when it comes to planning permission so yeah. if I can get your view first then I'll, I'll throw it over to you. Yeah, sure. So most building works would need um, planning permission so there are certain things that you can do under permitted development such as loft conversions, um, rare extensions subject to you meeting certain criteria but for example if you wanted to extend further than what would be allowed under permitted development or if you wanted to build a new house or do a conversion, mm-hmm. that sort of thing, then you would, you're likely to require planning permission for that sort of stuff. Um, do we need to define what pl- permitted development is? Yeah, I was going to say, do you want to define yeah, so in a nutshell, permitted development is works that don't require planning permission. So, for example, if you, if you live in a standard terrace house, mm-hmm. generally speaking, you can do a three metre extension with height of three meters yeah. under permitted development so yeah there are certain i guess household household um extensions that don't require planning permission and that's class of permitted development mm-hmm. Fine. what's your view on the other planning permission the definition of planning permission under <laughs> section, <laughs> under section, i can't remember what part what paragraph it is in the town and planning, country planning acts but i believe it's the it's either the change of use, yeah. mining, etc. So yeah. if you're changing something from one form to another, it is going to require some form of planning permission. Yeah. Um, Justin's defined permitted development in detail, so I don't need to go into that. So for instance, if you've got a house, you want to change this to an office, that's a change of use. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that change of use could potentially be covered, depending on your area, under um, unpermitted development in some cases, potentially, maybe not, but also under planning permission. And it all depends on stuff like 
what's that thing, Article 4 directions. Four directions. So yeah. planning permission can be as simple as complicated. In short, it's a matter of changing something from one thing to another and making sure you've got the framework and the legal the legal law planning policies and you're meeting those requirements. That's what I would say in short. And just to be clear, in terms of committed development and obviously you mentioned the Article 4 directives, certain areas have had, or certain developments have had their um, permitted rights removed mm-hmm. and allows the local authority then control that development through obviously having to submit a planning application. Mm-hmm. So permit development obviously allows you to just to do, do works without having to do plan, planning permission, which means you're, you're not at the scrutiny of the local authority yeah. through a planning application. Um, whereas if those rights have been removed, then you obviously have the, you have the full weight of the local authorities' planning policies, which can be a long process, um, but we'll stay positive. Mm-hmm. Um, so just move on to the next question. So we, we talked about permit development rights, you know, people being able to do that themselves, um, you know, and application. So in your view, what goes into a good planning application? And I'm going to go back to Justin this one just because I want to understand what a good planning application looks like, sure. what a local authority planning officer, once they get that through, you know, the planning portal, they receive an application, obviously you have the validation checks, but what, what is the good, a good planning application in your view? Yeah, so it's very, I guess, dependent on what the proposal is, but I would say both the quality and quantity of documents submitted, and what I mean by that is, for example, if you're going to build a new house, it's better to, I guess, a good application looks, you would front load as much information as possible. So. You would have your transport statements, maybe a tree statement, mm-hmm. um, and all the professional statements. Um, another kind of indication of what a good plan application looks like is um, the design and access statement. So that kind of sets out what the proposal is um, and how it meets the, the planning policies. Mm-hmm. So, it, a, so when you read it, you can generally get an idea of whether they've considered the relevant planning policies and whether their proposal meets the relevant criteria. So, right. yeah, I would say that. Right. So, here you mentioned, obviously, a good design access statement, mm-hmm. yourself as an architect. What's your view on that? Because I've, in my time working in planning, I've seen an array of design <laughs> access statements, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. One is just literally being the, you know, the key points yeah. on, like, two pieces of paper, two very lengthy documents. Mm-hmm. So, in your, in your view on that point that Justin mentioned, what is, you know, a very good design Yeah, I think, I think it's really about something that gives the case officer confidence. Yeah. Because um, your application is going to be determined by, by this person, this case mm-hmm. officer in the council, and you really want to give them, uh, you know, an easy job. Mm-hmm. You, want, you want to make them feel secure that mm-hmm. they're making the right decision and yeah. recommending your, your um, application for approval. So yeah, it's, it's supplying all that information as Justin touched on, um, but really kind of uh, helping them to help you, you know, so it's wording things in a way that, that maybe uh, a case officer might want to understand them, referring to policy that's, that's relevant mm-hmm. to that, and kind of giving them all the tools to then write a supportive statement to, yeah. to, you know, to give you permission. So I think it's really, yeah, it's really about that confidence. Yeah, I mean... I was going to throw something in actually mm-hmm. because I think that um, it's important for, for listeners to understand the minimum requirements for a compliant planning application because mm-hmm. you know that like, as a minimum if you submit a red line you've got a location plan to the right scale yeah. application form fees yeah. and then you break that down um, and I think that Justin made a good point around designing that's a statement that probably could get you far between one to nine units but you can't just submit 
that are on the yeah, larger scheme. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that will then go into, um, yeah. you've got the environmental impact assessments, you've got the planning statements yeah. that, so, in, in, so what I'm saying in short is, if it's a smaller scale scheme, you may not, you may or may not need to speak to Paracosol, but that's a different conversation. to the likes of who, who might be able to get away with writing that mm-hmm. policy. And, but if it's larger development, I strongly recommend, or I feel that it's more appropriate at that point to get a planning consultant. Mm-hmm. And then there's various other, um, and, and we spoke about it Abe, before, mm-hmm. and I said to him, um, I remember saying to um, um, Justin a few months ago, um, or maybe a year or two ago, I said to him, when I submitted a planning application on my own, yeah, mm-hmm. I basically submitted a red land plan, floor plans, yeah. planning policies, and that was it. Yeah. But he said I won't be able to get away with it today. No. It's, because yeah. you've got all of these supporting statements, yeah. supporting documents. So I think it's just making clear that there is a, a clear difference between small or oh, yeah, minor applications to major applications, and that was yeah. it for me. But then that also depends on like the scale. If you're doing a, a, an extension to the back of your house, mm-hmm. you can get away with ha- not having a design and access statement. Yeah. Yes. All you yeah. need is the elevation, the floor plan, yeah. exactly. what, what's been extended, what's there before, what's there yeah. after. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you're when you're scaling up to uh, a development of of nine units and or thousand units mm-hmm. then you're like you're, you're in the realm of completely different things because yeah, then world, yeah. you have you have like before you even got into your application you had to do your transport assessment you have to do air quality monitoring you need to do acoustic testing yeah. Yeah. overheating flood risk flood risk assessment energy, yeah. energy sustainability <laughs> like what is your yeah construction um, logistics what's your program for delivery um, you've engaged at that point with an architect landscape consultant mm-hmm. M&E um, structural civil engineer, uh, you've got ecologists, circular economy. The circular economy, you have to consider the biodiversity. Okay. Is it, <laughs> are there tree protection in yeah. the area? Do you have to relocate trees? How are you intending to do that? Is it a bat route? <laughs> oh, <laughs> <Are> you bats. <laughs> do you not forget bats. the bats <laughs> and all the birds? Uh, what is your draining strategy are you connecting into thames water mm-hmm. what is the energy sh- a strategy are you connecting into uh, or are you creating um a, a, a chp mm-hmm. um energy like you know you're, 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 yeah like you how far are we going what is your electric car strategy? Yeah. Is everyone getting car? Or is actually, do you have any cars on your development? Yeah. That like you. So when you're when you're even when you're talking about an application of scale, like it can just it blows up at all of that information, especially when you're in the in a major scheme and I, you know, um, or in a large scheme or major application, mm-hmm. you need to do all of that before you've even got a pack of information to submit to a local yeah. authority yeah. and at that and also along the way you have to also go through consistent pre app uh, meetings yes. to ensure that you're carrying along your local authority, your local planning authority yeah. mm-hmm. um, to ensure that when the information does drop because it's like typically like thousands of pages of, inf- of document that they have enough time to process and digest it yeah I, mean, I totally agree I mean it is it's done to the scale what makes a good application in terms of the development. I mean, personally, as a planning consultant, I think that, you know, every application should have some form of planning statement in there, mm-hmm. um, regardless of, you know, units one to nine or whatever it is, uh, or major. Planning statement comes in various forms. Mm-hmm. Small cover letter, could just do the job, yeah. address the policies, or obviously as we're talking larger scale, 
you know, full yeah. wealth of documents, summary of all the various technical reports, how it meets planning policy, you know, and how we mitigate all the impacts of the development. Um, but for me, as a planning consultant, I feel, you know, when you're going to put a planning application in, yes, you can put in design and access statement, the red line plan, elevations, fine. And you, local authorities may go, okay, fine, I understand that. But for me, as a planning consultant, to do a very good job, you need to explain how this development meets the policies yeah. in, what, in whatever shape or form. And I think a good planning uh, application has just either a cover letter mm-hmm. or a planning statement that accompanies that. Because when you get it, you're going to look at the plans, you look at the design act statement, lovely. But then there's that element of work you now have to do. Yeah. And with, we're going to get onto this point about <laughs> local authorities and the broken planning system later, but you are very under-resourced, local authorities are under-resourced and yeah. very stretched. Yeah. So as you say, you anything that the developer or can help with that process to mm-hmm. make it as smooth and as clear as possible yeah. to speed it up given the kind of issues you're facing at the moment will be obviously you know is, 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 is good, a good result in the end but I want to move on to um, <laughs> another very good question we were talking about you know developments doing it ourselves and you've done some of the past yourself or you know do you need planning consultant so now I'm going to ask why do I need a planning consultant surely I should be able to do it myself <laughs> it's a very interesting question because I've worked with developers who've how about architects do the planning statement mm. and it's written in a very architectural way <laughs> <laughs> just gonna, just gonna say I'm just, just gonna say that and then also we've had you know um, where people done it themselves and you know some fundamental issues have either been missed or you know what they're, what they're trying to pin their development on in terms of hanging on a particular planning policy is actually not relevant to their development and mm-hmm. they cause more issues than others. So, Mr. Adewala, you obviously have undertaken this process by yourself. I think a few of us have as well, but mm-hmm. please give me what your view is because I will break it down again later in terms of understanding you know, what the planning consultant does in terms of what our, our key yeah. issues are, but you want to go for that one? So, um, you, you laugh at this, but the, the only confidence I had in doing a planning application of my own mm-hmm. is watching another planning consultant. <laughs> okay many years ago because what will happen is you know one thing about us as development managers mm-hmm. we have to be very comfortable with the detail of course so you know for instance um people when i speak to people about planning they think i'm a planning consultant but i just i just listen well and i understand what's mm-hmm. happening in my projects so because of that i was a, i was in a position to say you know what it's almost like you see when you I used to there was one paper thing that people used to do yeah, you press yeah, it yeah, I, yeah. I remember like it's like the planning consultant is like, so good at doing it and i said you know what let me get a piece of paper, let me give it a go myself. <laughs> so um, someone approached me to say, I don't want to help me with a planning application and it got rejected so many times. And I said, you know what? So yeah, I'll help you out. Mm-hmm. Long story short, I got him planning and then someone else got in touch with me and I got them planning. Now, <laughs> I'm not, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to give you, that's all good and fun and games. That's mm-hmm. amazing. I had PI insurance at the time. So just for your information, to be providing any form of services, make sure you have professional indemnity insurance. And my employer at the time was very aware that I was running a side business on the weekend. Mm-hmm. Very important. That's right. Um, but the, the, the thing that, the thing that, um, that happens, and this is where I put my hands up and said, you know what? You need a planning consultant. Now, permitted development only relates to certain types of homes. Houses, mm-hmm. apartments don't have permitted development. Nope. Now, I must have said to a, um, I had a, a client at the time, <laughs> health and planning, and he said to me, um, oh, it's a masonette, it's got a ground floor flat. I said, yeah, permitted, what do you want to do, HMO? I said, yeah, you can do it. <laughs> <laughs> you can get it. 
And then after I did some research, and I said, goodness me, I should have said that because now he has an expectation that he's got an express permission. Yeah, exactly. Now, I've said that to him, and then I called him back to say, um, (laughs) you don't have permitted development. No. He put down the phone. His wife said he screamed. (gasps) And I thought, but lo lo and behold, I still got pen for him. So imagine... I was already at the back foot because changing a, a masonet to a HMO yeah. is difficult cool. from a policy point of view. Mm-hmm. But I was still able to help him get it through. So I put all of that to say that um, there's elements of it that you can do yourself. But now that I'm learning to be, they say that a skillful cutter does less cutting. As a developer, we need to focus on what we do as developers yeah. and allow the people that do the skillful cutting, i.e., planning consultants, yeah. architects, to do what they do well. Um, so I, I put all of that out. And also, the, the, the reason why I think development managers do it themselves is because, you know, that the financial impacts of yeah, planning, of we have to be very comfortable managing all of the monies involved. So, you know, section one and six costs, yeah. um, um, sure. charge, space, um, payments, all of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say, I'm not going to say, but the benefit of a planning consultant is the eloquence and the communication and we discussed that at length. I feel we always get into an argument over it and I would agree (laughs) with you on that. There is an eloquence and there's an etiquette that goes with being a planning consultant and I feel that that's something that not any people, many people can grasp if you're not a planning consultant and that that, that is my summary of that. I mean, well, actually, like I, I, I definitely value my planning consultants on projects because of that eloquence and the fact that it's a, it's a, firstly it's a skill, but it's a lot of detailed policy and information. And planning actually continues to change. Yeah. So you think yeah. assume a local plan is maintained, and all of a sudden, like they've changed a policy around the 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 amount of quality for a specific building, mm-hmm. and or they've changed their. Um, their schla or you know mm-hmm. all yeah. of these things that come what out. What does schla mean again? Sorry. Oh, you're you're testing. Strategic housing land availability. When I was doing that, I knew all of the. That was like okay. Yeah, but effectively, when when you're going through that process, when when you're talking about the the need and area. I think my the planning the planning consultants are on the pulse yeah, because they are they are specialists. This is what they do. Yeah. As a development management professional, you have you are spinning plates. You you're are juggling everything. So you're not gonna like you're not gonna know when they've changed something or there's like a change in local plan or another. And this is where, especially when you're doing regeneration, you need to know what the other developer across the road is doing. So if they've changed their their section one hundred six. And it's in your favour and or not in your favour. Exactly. You need to know that so you can apply it to and your And the planning consultant knows exactly, exactly where and how to find it. But all of that information on planning information on consented schemes, you can find it on the local planning authorities yes, website. They publish section 106's viability information, etc. Yeah. But my, as you mentioned, we're you not going to have time to like... Yeah. I, I would probably look... We would look at it. If yeah, it was in my personal development, yeah. I probably would. But you guys as planning consultants our best place mm-hmm. to be able to extrapolate the key information that we need to consider. So, yeah, I yeah. think on, on that point as well, in terms of, you know, why I mean a planning consultant, again, it's when we speak to case officers, we speak in the same language. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that, that speeds yeah. up the yeah. process. Yeah. Yeah. Someone who is, you know, wants to do it themselves and, you know, say something that along the line goes wrong and they say you need to, you know, do a section 96A or section 73, I can just go, okay, fine. Whereas they'll go, 
sorry, what does Section 96 say? What does Section 93 say? So Section 96 say is a uh, non-material amendment to a planning commission. Mm -hmm. Section 73 is a minor material amendment. There's a lot of nuances in yeah. terms of what constitutes... Yeah, there was a case law that happened a few yeah, years exactly. that changed it around. What constitutes the, you know, what is minor, what is, um, yeah. what is a non-material, what is minor. Um, Jewelry still out, but, you know, different authorities have their own discretion to apply to each particular yeah. one. Yeah, there's a lot of discretion um, in both, yeah. But, um, again, but from a planning consultant's view, it's, as you said, um, for developers, we manage that risk. Yeah. Yeah. Because, as we all know, planning permission is not guaranteed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> as a planning consultant, we're able to put together a, a planning strategy that could either save you time, money, avoid certain avenues of conversation with the council, which is mm -hmm. not required. For example, if you, you know, some people may go on the route of a lawful development certificate instead of actually going for a planning application. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that is a very, very important route to undertake because you can get your development approvals lawful without having to have the scrutiny of planning policies because that's more of a legal requirement as opposed to planning policy requirement. Yeah. So understanding that process as well, but also putting together the whole package and saying, okay, we're going to go for a pre-app here. We're going to have public consultation here. We're going to go an application here. That yeah. full process, we're going to consult these people here, even though we just spoke about consultation. Okay. Okay. It's, it's how you, you manoeuvre yeah. within, this, within this environment. Yeah. Now, I'm not going to get to consultation about is the planning system broken? Mm -hmm. That's another conversation <laughs> later. But yeah. being able to manoeuvre with your client's intentions at, on your back to know that, well, we can't do this because if we say this, that opens up a can of worms. Mm -hmm. yeah. But manoeuvring within the framework. I'm not saying we're doing things out of the ordinary or one to one yeah. legal. Manoeuvring within the framework that we have. But yeah, and I would say, just to add on to what you said, I would say town planners and local authority are seen, seen as the guys with the red tape. Yes. And, uh, Planning consultants are the guys with the scissors. So, so they, they, they. That's true. <laughs> so, scissors, scissors as well. Scissors, but we're cutting it. Not even, we're going under it. We're no, cutting it. Yeah. You're cutting through the. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you just need to know how to position your application or, um, yeah, just position your application in order to get accepted at the end of, of the course. day. Um, even if your proposal doesn't meet the policies, there's a way that you can kind of structure it and almost tell a story with, mm -hmm. with the documents you've submitted mm -hmm. in order to make the council look at it a bit more favourably. Yeah. Can, can I, so I think what you said is, is, is very much true, but like I think, and, and to, to also like reinforce the point of why you need a, 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 um, a planning consultant, is because it's so human. We talk about planning mm. on the very policy, policy, policy basis. basis. Yeah. There's a lot of terminology, a lot of jargon, a lot of legal documentation, a lot of conditions that, yeah. that mm -hmm. go through the process. And you, we spent, people spend millions of pounds and to put an application together. Yeah. At the end of the day, even if you are policy compliant, you might not get planning. And the reason being is because it's about the human human element of it and that's why i got those two those three planners it's not because mine was the best application no. it's that i was courteous how can i help yeah got any questions mm -hmm. oh i've got that drawing from i'll get that result yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, but this is, I think this is the other thing like you have to remember like i don't know about you but when i'm on my project i'm in it like i'm emotional about this and so when someone's sitting there saying you guys haven't done enough Best believe I don't want to be the person replying because I'm already pissed off. I'm like, <laughs> where's my planning consultant who's going to handle this situation? Yeah. Because, like, we've spent millions. This and is now a time. Yeah. Like, this is a program issue. Mm. I can't be the person sat in front of someone saying, 
you don't know like all of the issues mm-hmm. like, I need someone to come with the policy and to articulate why it's the why we need it's to the do best it. Yeah. Thing to this is like let's let's cut cut through the red mm-hmm. tape with the scissors mm-hmm. and get up over the on, line. On that point, one of um one of our clients uh, that we have, you know, he, he's very at arm's length with planning. Mm-hmm. So, you know, something he'll get a, a letter from the council or a response from the council, case ops or whatever, pass it straight to us. And he goes, the reason I do that is because you are my comfort blanket. Mm. You know, you just relax me. Because he, he sees something come through, you know, a response from, you know, the statutory consultee and he's now going, oh God, how much is it going to cost me that? And we just go, actually, no, it's, it's not. Fine. It's, it's not your problem. Yeah. It's not your problem, but also it's not as big a problem you're thinking. You give it to him and you go. Because you know what? There's something that happened and I spoke to Justin about this year. There was a small application. Mm-hmm. It was a C3 to C4. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in short, I thought it was a straightforward slam dunk mm-hmm. case. Mm-hmm, yeah. I researched, um, you know, like they say that C3 to C4, you have to look at the cumulative impact of what you're doing. Yes. Yeah. You want to take away housing from community. Yeah. There was less than um, 10% HMOs on that road. Okay. So I said, oh, I'm well within my bounds mm-hmm. in the planning policy terms. So I submitted the application, guess what happened? Got rejected. Fine. Yeah. We went to a bill, guess yeah. what happened? It got rejected. <laughs> Someone... Yeah, a planning consultant. Mm-hmm. After all of that, they did one stroke. It was resolved. What was yeah. it? What did he do? What, what process did he use again? Yeah, I, I remember you telling me actually. I think it was he converted it into a care a care home. C three, C three, and he yeah. saved that person. You know what? I walked out of that situation. That happened many years ago. I looked at it and said, you know what? I should just quit the <laughs> 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 because. Someone, and, and this is where everyone needs to stick to what they're good at. Yes. The problems that we have as development managers mm. and development professionals, I know that Pelicans not could manage what we do. Yeah. I couldn't manage what Hugh does yeah. as an architect. No, no. no. And this is where it's just everyone needs to respect yeah. themselves. So now, if I get into any of those incidents, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say, oh, I'm going to sit here. I'll say, I'm going to speak to yourself, Abe, I'm going to speak to mm-hmm. Justin. And, and then just, yeah, just pass it on because you guys are the experts and be able to find the angles. Yeah. That, that's a very good point. Yeah. And I think, you know, the number of people that need to be involved in these large you know, mm-hmm. large schemes. Yeah. But it's so important to do it right, right from the start. Exactly. You know? And I think, you know, there's that old saying, you know, if you want, if, you know, it's expensive to do something twice, you know. Very you to do something. Once. That's not the saying. <laughs> 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 you know what it's I mean? It's you know, it's really important to have that, that team that kind of knows what they're doing right mm-hmm. from day one. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's funny because me and Edward had this conversation think we're at the BPIC Awards and you said to me, so why do we need a planning consultant? <laughs> and I was like, well, you know, we argue about the word. And I said to him, what do you mean by that? Mm. The way planning policy is constructed, mm. yeah, you read it. And you the think it's it, fine. You go, okay, I could do that. But actually there's a few nuances in there, a few can, may, shall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, there's like those words yeah, there. Yeah. If you're not hot on understanding what oh, the connotations are to that, yeah. you will just read that blanket and then just, you know, go ahead and do a development and realise, oh, why has it got rejected? Why is this? Yeah. Why is that? So, or you're walking into a condition that you didn't realise. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I've been planning consultants. by the way. That's good. I'm happy to hear. <laughs> happy to hear. Yeah. Planning consultants, I mean, in my view, slightly biased. Yeah. All right, this is the Property Developers Book Club podcast. If you're enjoying what you see, please like, share and subscribe. Yeah. Thank you. I'm Adewale Ademalake founder at A Lake, which specializes in property development and development management. We are sponsoring the first season of the Property Development Book Club podcast, which will be out on all platforms soon. So just back again, we talked about obviously having a planning consultant, the planning applica- uh, 
what makes a good planning application. We now just want to go into sort of the pre-application process uh, before an application is actually submitted and also then the determination process and then there's going to be a few grenades later on which, mm-hmm. uh, which will get you know the conversation bubbling but you want to just talk about pre-application process Justin do you want to give us an overview? Yeah so essentially pre-planning is um, an application you submit prior to sub- submitting the, pre- um, the actual planning application so that allows you to have your discussions essentially behind closed doors with the local planning, planning authority it allows you to get their views um, on whether a proposal is likely to be supported or not and what you can do in order in order to kind of make it more favourable to the local planning authority. Um, in my view, it is recommended, it all depends on the kind of complexity of the scheme, but it is generally worthwhile having those discussions um, behind closed doors with the local planning authority because once you submit your plan application, the neighbours get notified. And, exactly. And it's less it's it's more difficult to kind of um, amend it after it's been mm-hmm. submitted. Mm-hmm. So it's better to get all your problems ironed out and it makes the actual planning process or in fairly it should make the planning process <laughs> smoother or smoother. Yeah. Okay, so on that point there, and I wanna ask the two developers, managers, if you have a good planning consultant, do you think it's necessary to have that step of pre application process? 100%. Or do you think you could wholly trust your planner consultant who basically can tell you, you know what, we know what the scheme is, you're going to send it to the council, they're going to come back with pretty much everything I've said. So I could save you time here and then we can I'm do it. Go no. I, I, I want to gauge that so, view because so, I've, I've used both in the past and no. it's been interesting. Yeah, sorry, that's just not going to work. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, like, I, like I said, so I you put a lot, of, you, a lot of onus on that. You, you I, I think we have to remember, like planning is a risk. You're putting millions, tens of millions of pounds, especially depending on the scale of the project. Mm-hmm. But at the minimum, you're putting about a million, like a millions of pounds into a process of of just risk. Because if you don't get that planning, your money's gone, your money's gone down the drain. Yeah. Your program's out, yeah. and you can't actually start making your returns at mm-hmm. the end. Which I mean, or even just deliver anything, so you can't start anything. So for me, like a pre-application, despite what the planning, like my my uh, planning consultant saying, means that I can sit confidently in the room with my my um, seniors mm-hmm. and say, um, actually, you know, we've we've spoken to the local authority and 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 either validate what you've now advised me. Mm-hmm. Or say we probably are at risk here on certain things. Mm. Let's change this up. It's going to have X impact on the development appraisal. Fine. And so okay. I, I will feel, I will feel so uncomfortable not engaging the local authority. Also, I think there's a point around, and I want to talk from the large scale regeneration mm-hmm. projects. There's a point about the planning officers want to see the developer. They want to see the person in the room in a pre-application telling them, reassuring them that they care about the area in which they're developing yeah, it. Yeah. They don't want to see another local... Like, how many times... Like, you've, like, you've probably sat in on several... Uh, representing several applications, yeah. the same case officers. Yeah. They want to see the face behind the, the thing. And they want to have, like, someone they can hold accountable to. Yeah. And so, like, I know the I know the officers, my case officers, because I was sitting on meetings with them mm-hmm. and tell them what we're planning on doing. Mm-hmm. Also, that like my my planning consultant doesn't know all of the socioeconomic things that we're doing, mm-hmm. right? Like, 
you know, the grants, the funding, the the KPIs, the apprentices, they have no idea about our like DA obligations to the extent that I would know. I need to exactly I need to be able to sit there and defend my project as well where my pen consultant might not have the whole picture. So a pre app for me is fundamental. Regardless of if someone says you don't need it or not. Is that the same view? Hundred percent. <laughs> no, I totally I totally agree with, with Hannah. I can't um add I can't, I can't I totally agree. I think the, the main thing I think is, you know, like, as much as I love my planning consultants, they're not all encompassing. They're not omnipresent. Like, God, like, not God. <laughs> yeah. So there's things that they may miss. And when I say miss, it might not be intentional because we're not hum- we're all mm-hmm. human. And because of that, I may pick up on things to say, I'm looking at that person's eyes. He said this, mm-hmm. and that needs to be addressed now yeah. in this conversation. Yeah. So you know that um, between myself and Hannah, where we lead our projects, we are listening and observing risk. That transport person cost. Yeah, risk cost. And we can't leave a planning consultant to agree what the section 106 obligations are. Oh no, be. of course not. Yeah. We have to be able to say, oh, yeah. right, we're going to come back to you on that. Or, oh, can you do extra charging points in your mm-hmm. development? That can't be a planning consultant agreement. No. It has to no, be us. So yeah. we're in, but you know, you know, more more importantly, I think that um, Hannah made the point. Obviously, pre app. Justin, you mentioned the pre-app process. For a lot of our schemes, we do what they call a planning performance agreement. Yeah. And that planning performance agreement is a long-term arrangement with a local authority. Yeah. It is not binding. Pre-application advice does not necessitate that you're going to have guaranteed planning permissions. Yeah. And, but it is promoted under the national planning policy framework. Yeah. So for that reason, that's a tick, but it doesn't mean you still, you still may get it. On that point of planning performance agreements, I know it was mentioned previously on another podcast. Yeah. I struggle with it. Reason being is local authorities are under-resourced. Hmm. I'm now paying, an, on top of my planning application fee, an additional fee to get a one-to-one or an officer who's going to dedicate their time yeah. to the scheme. Thank you for listening to the Property Development Book Cloud podcast. We know you're loving what you're hearing, so don't forget to like, share and subscribe. And so a PPA, I understand, like, in the context of things, we shouldn't have to need it. And I think it's, an, it's a symptom of the system that we're in. Yeah. However, we do need it where, like, and we actually do need it. And it's beneficial if you want to prioritise your project. So you mentioned a very key point there, manage risk. So at this point, through the, we walk through the pre-app, the, being a planning consultant, mm. the planning application itself, the submission and so forth. Now we're through determination. Mm. And managing risk, we've managed that. We've controlled as much as we can. <laughs> now we're getting to determination and it's gone to planning committee. And now we have very strong feelings about members of committees not being, let's say, the most educated in planning. Uh, obviously, they're taking the view from their case officers as mm-hmm. their advice. And then obviously, they're applying that to making the decision whilst taking consideration the various local communities that they represent or wards represent. Yeah. What is everyone's view on planning committee members taking a decision on planning applications. And I'm going to put that to everyone. Maybe you yeah. want to start on this yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's, it is really important that there's a democratic accountability, mm-hmm. you know, attached. And like you say, that, that um, people who are the voice of their communities that have been elected, mm-hmm. you know, to that position can bring their unique understanding, you know, of, of the impact of a scheme to, to something. Um, so I think that's, that is really important. That's an amazing thing that's kind of enshrined within, within yeah. the planning system. I think, on the other hand, it's 
kind of problematic and that there isn't more, maybe more, uh, you know, specific understanding, as you yeah. touched on there, of the planning considerations. So mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of heart, but maybe there's, you know, could be more head in Fine. some of these decisions. Uh, who, who, who wants to who wants to take this one next? Just I'm, I'm happy to. Yeah, actually, yeah. <laughs> the authority, the one authority hat would be very yeah. good. Yeah. So, essentially, if a planning application is going to be rejected, it should be rejected on planning grounds. Correct. Now, at planning committee, wherever that happens, that's that's he or that. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's yeah, it's a difficult one because. At the end of the day, the planning officers, they've, they're qualified in what they do. So essentially, they should be the decision makers, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and that's right. I, 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 I find it very difficult when planning committees go against the planning, the planning officers' decisions or recommendations to planning committee. As in, they've you know, had the planning balance, they weighed up the scheme, and then now you've got this outside entity that has more maybe a political tie yeah. to the decision making process. To them, obviously, that influences their decision. But yeah. I know I want you to I'm breathe and then tread carefully. Yeah, because I like I think uh, going back to the risk point, like and and actually just the the human part of the planning system is that we have like a very detailed planning um, system, right? You go through very strict um, assessments. You you know you've gone through maybe 18 months of a design process and several consultants like to pinpoint every single detail you've gone through extensive consultation with statutory utility providers and statutory stakeholders mm -hmm. and the local community and then you've submitted this application that hits every single policy mark mm -hmm. affordable housing your 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 commitment to seal your draft section one hundred six. You've already listed out all the conditions. Mm -hmm. You you've like the quality is amazing. You've gone through a design review panel. You've come done through the PPA. You've gone through your PPA. <laughs> you've you know you've done the everything. You, you've gone through blood, sweat, and tears, right? And your 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 best friend planning, <laughs> your planning <laughs> officer who you've been working with on this for eighteen months, like. Mm -hmm. A meeting like at least once a month for the last eighteen months. It's like, yeah, you guys have done a great job. Let's let's put it in front of the committee. You're mm -hmm. now at committee meeting, and people who have gotten a thousand pet like I don't know. I mean, it depends on what you, you give them. You've given all of this information to you that you spent eighteen months on, mm -hmm. right? They get it maybe a week before. They're yeah. commenting on three other schemes in that same evening, which can sometimes sway which, their views. Exactly, and. Bear in mind, we're, we're policy compliant. Mm -hmm. There is a conversation that's been had with people who aren't development specialists, planning specialists, architects, yeah. um, actually fully reflective of the local community who have political agendas because they want to get re-voted in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they are the people determining your application. Mm -hmm. I think it's a kind of really perverse process because on a number of occasions, we, you know, they're not actually asking planning questions or planning yeah. policy questions, or they don't, they don't necessarily even have a full understanding of what they're saying yes or mm -hmm. no to. And as like from a public person's perspective, you will never assume that 
your the decision makers or the the main decision makers are people who are on are, are yeah. not fully I won't say uneducated because they have some training in, in not fully educated on the process and are saying yes or no on something mm. that is actually going to impact your life in a massive yeah. way. Great. I mean, there's obviously you know a lot more training from like the Royal Tapan Institute for members of committee to start understanding you know how to make for, for decision making and understanding you know planning terminology and you know everyone you know they recommend that members go on that kind of training to sort of make the sort of decision making process a lot easier but what we've picked up on throughout the whole of this podcast is that you know another question was raised about you know why does planning take so long and I think we've touched on those as mm. you said you know you know sort of obviously getting the team together um doing the pre-application process, doing the various surveys, reports, mm. having the PPAs, having the pre-apps, getting a scheme together, putting it to planning, going through the eight-week or 13-week planning uh, determination process, then going to planning committee, then obviously having section 106 and seal. So yeah. that full process, yes, takes time. And, you know, there's obviously bits of the way that delay that process. So with all that said, and managing risk, go on, Madoli. I wanted to add something, because mm. we know when we talk about planning committees mm-hmm. you know, and the way they make decisions... What you said is a very important point. Yes. Democratically elected people yeah. exactly. making a decision. Yeah. Their decisions should follow planning policy, should. but then it should also follow public opinion mm-hmm. because their views should not be as that of a professional. It should be as a reflectance or a reflection of the community that they represent. So sometimes I just think for that, the reason I, I, I throw that out there is to say that the community, it may be probably policy compliant, but that building is going to take away my light or something. Mm-hmm. But on public balance, on the balance and scale, mm-hmm. the right of light or the light or the overshadowing issue. Right of light is not a... No, right, no, no. Right of light is a law. <laughs> 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 You've done your daylight and sunlight. But, no, and I, and I agree uh, with you. Yeah. And, but the, the, and... The thing is that, and from the, the, the consultation of the planning committees that we've been to, typically they're not asking planning policy mm. points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are saying, they are talking... But it's broadly, the court of public opinion. But is, is it truly public opinion? And on, Sorry, on, on, that, that and on that point as well, you're saying obviously the benefit, you know, the, the, this public benefit, that's what the main thing is. A good, a good application would have done that engagement to the nth degree to obtain that public yeah, 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 understanding yeah, 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 to implement yeah. that into their, yeah. into their development. So hopefully you're assuming that they've at this point we probably should yeah. cover everything should be yeah. fine. Mm-hmm. But as I've said before, you know, all of this is we've mentioned the risks, the delays, the various nuances of the t- t- decision making process. So a very simple question <laughs> to end with, which may cause for round two to come back. Yeah, and we'll put this out there. So with all that said. Is Britain's planning system broken? And who is benefiting from the broken system? So, let's just take the first half because we haven't got time to finish the next bit, but in your view, Edouard, is the British planning system broken? Yes. You? <laughs> yes, but, it's, but I think there's lots of positives about it. I agree, yeah. I will say no, because I think there needs to be more investment in what's already there in terms of the local authority side of things to make it work and that funding is essential. Huh? No, I don't think the planning, the planning system is broken. I actually think the way it's um, implemented is the issue. Mm-hmm. And, well, it's just, I don't know how... You, can't, you probably can't answer that. <laughs> <laughs> you probably can't answer that question. <laughs> what, what I will say is 
I think the planning system has a crack in it, but I wouldn't say it's completely okay. broken. And this is what I want to say, yeah? We're all about outputs, yeah? Mm-hmm. Outputs, yeah? The output is what? 300,000 pounds, 300,000 homes a year. That is the output. Mm-hmm. If we haven't achieved it for as long as I have existed, or mm-hmm. my mum has existed, mm-hmm. yeah? Is that a system that is not broken? It's not broken. It's not broken. It needs more funding it's to damaged. achieve that. <laughs> no, it's it needs more funding to achieve that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We're going to have to agree to disagree with that one. But then I think what you're saying, that's not, the planning system's not the only reason we haven't achieved the housing, like exactly. housing yeah. numbers. There are several yeah, issues. There's economic, with that. There's the economic factor, there's the land supply, there's yeah. amount of, well, I mean, the density is again, yeah, political agenda. But um, as I've said, I'm gonna swear. I'm, I'm gonna put myself to him. I'm gonna say maybe. Okay, I'm gonna put fifty-fifty. Change, fine. But just on that, to conclude on that, um, that's the end of this uh, podcast. Uh, thank you for listening. Yeah, thank you. Thank you.